If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where we share time-tested strategies to turn your annual revenue into your monthly revenue. Ready to up-level your business and your life? Then you will love listening in on the lively conversations Ursula has with her clients and guests as they share exactly what they did to grow and scale their business exponentially. Plus, you will discover how to experience more freedom, joy, and peace in your business and your life right now. If turning your annual income into your monthly income is your next step, then join us at the next 2X Intensive. Go to UrsulaInc.co slash apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Quantum Revenue Expansion, the podcast where we talk about turning your annual income into your monthly income. Super excited to be hanging out with you guys today. I have a really cool guest, Sandy Weiner. I got to be on her show. Gosh, like it aired on Valentine's Day. I know that. And I talked about something I don't normally talk about, which is how to build friendships as an adult when you're like, you know, you don't see people that often and you're, you know, maybe you're going to the gym or you're hanging out with your kids, um, you know, at your kids events. Like, how do you, how do you meet people? So definitely take a listen. We'll have to put that in the show notes. So Sandy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here with you, Ursula. Yay. I'm excited too. <laughs> we have a lot. So we're going to be talking about how to establish boundaries at work and a whole lot of other things. So definitely stick with me. It's going to be a fun show and um, get a, get your favorite beverage, grab a notebook and a pen because you're going to want to take some notes. But before we do that, just a couple of housekeeping things. If you haven't grabbed the free masterclass yet, go to UrsulaInc.co. It's on my homepage. It's quantum revenue expansion, the masterclass. It pairs nicely with the podcast and it's focused on three things. One, how to expand your quantum revenue container. In other words, how to let more money into your business. Two, once you've done that, how to really up-level and align your pricing and your packages with your new revenue goal. And then the third part of the course, we talk about how to collapse time with team systems, processes to get to your goal even faster. So if you haven't, it's free come and hang out there, do the class. It'll definitely give you a boost in your business right now. And then for some of you, you've been hanging out with us for a while and you're feeling the pull. If you haven't yet, you can go to UrsulaInc.co forward slash apply, send me a few of your details and we'll set up a call with someone on our team. And we'll talk about the 2X intensive and whether or not the 2X intensive can truly 
help you this year, you know, 2X your revenue or even 10X for some of our clients, the revenue. So if you've been feeling the full, come and have a conversation. We'd love to connect with you on that. All right, that's all the things. So let me tell you about Sandy. She is an internationally known TEDx speaker, dating and relationship coach for all of our single ladies um, and gentlemen, women's empowerment coach, author, and podcast host. She's the author of Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. Her approach to coaching is holistic, encompassing a hybrid mix of cognitive behavioral therapy, yay, life coaching, NLP, woohoo, intuition, creativity, and nonviolent communication. She's the host of two podcasts, Last First, Last First Date Radio and the Woman of Value podcast. Sandy believes it's never too late to have the life and love you want. And as we're recording this, we are celebrating International Women's Day. So I think it's even better that we're hanging out and having this conversation. So Sandy, lots of questions for you today. I want to begin at the beginning though. So what brought you, like what were you doing before you started your business? And then what inspired you to launch this amazing business? Uh, let's go back in time. <laughs> so I've been doing this work for about 14, 15 years. And before that, I was married for 23 years. I was a working artist doing furniture painting, Jewish marriage documents, the calligraphy and the illumination. I ran art programs in summer camps, everything art. And I also was married to a comedian and we created a lot of work together. So we had a show on Nickelodeon together. I was one of his head writers. I directed a lot of his videos. I helped him edit. So there were a lot of things that I was beginning to find out about myself during the time I was married in terms of skills I didn't know I had. But I was always the behind the scenes person, never in front of a camera, never the person on a microphone, never hosting a podcast or doing a TEDx. And as I got into this field, and the reason I got into it was because I got divorced, I was trying to figure out all the parts of me that have been lost in the marriage. I think most people, if they're in a relationship that's not very healthy, they give up parts of themselves. And even in healthier relationships, we often will not fully realize the potential that we have. And there was always a part of me that loved psychology, that loved working with people. And I had at one point in college studied art therapy, trying to meld my two loves, but I didn't like the program. And so it was like, okay, what next? What's next? And I discovered life coaching, fell in love with it and became certified as I was divorcing. No idea how to make a living doing it, but <laughs> loved it. And that's how I got started. I mean, I, the dating part and the relationship part came about two years into my coaching practice when I was helping friends who were dating before I was ready to date and seeing what a mess they were making of their love lives. And it kind of blossomed from there. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations on all levels. And it sounds like, you know, I love what you're sharing about your marriage and like just all the things that you know, came through that, like the good stuff that came through. And then you reaching a point where you're like, okay, it's time for this next journey, how much courage it must've taken to, 
you know, not only be going through a divorce, but at that same time be saying, now I'm going to start my own business. And I'm guessing a lot of listeners, like, I don't think we ever start our businesses at like the time when we're flush with cash and everything's perfect in our lives. I think it's always, there's some kind of thing going on, right? Like we're either leaving the corporate world, we're leaving a relationship, you know, things have shifted and it's like this portal opens up to create this business. And so Walk us through, like one of the things we talk about on the show is our limiting beliefs about money. And I think as women, I always say this, you know, in the US and the world at this time, women have really only been in business for about a hundred years, if you think about it, like successfully in business or a lot of women in business and even like less, less than that. And it wasn't, it was like 40 some years ago that we as women couldn't even get a loan from the bank without a signature from our husband or our dad or our brother. Like I imagine calling up one of my brothers today and being like, Hey, I need a loan in my business. I can't even imagine that. And so, so there's, there's this piece, right. Of we haven't been in business that long and yet women are entering like starting businesses at twice the rate, I think as men now, and yet a small person, like we're, we're kind of keeping our businesses small. We have a lot of lifestyle businesses, um, or not making it over the seven figure mark. So that's one of the things we do. We help business women expand, right? To bring more and more money in if that's their choice. And so because of that though, we see a lot of limiting beliefs coming up around the area of money. Anything you want to share in that area? Did you have any limiting beliefs about money in terms of having your own business? And like, what did you do? What did you do to overcome those? I definitely had limiting <laughs> beliefs. <laughs> I'm human, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I, de- I did not grow up with healthy attitude towards money. I think my my parents always gave this feeling of scarcity. We don't have enough. We can't buy you this. We can't afford it. And so I learned to be really frugal. I learned how to make a dollar stretch, but I didn't have any big aspirations for making a lot of money or being in my own business even when I was running the art business, it was always the side thing. It was the side hustle to kind of just always be doing my thing. And learning how to charge for my worth, part of the reason I actually went into coaching is because I never felt I could get paid enough for the amount of work I was putting into the individual art pieces because they were all one-offs. And I realized, I think early on that coaching is a skill that I could learn and keep improving, but it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's not like you're designing a piece and you give it away and then it's done. You're actually watching it blossom and grow when you work with people. So that part really appealed to me. And so I already had this inkling that I was worth more than I was getting paid. Yeah. But it took a long time to get to the point where I was paid more. I think for me, I, I started my business as, as a side thing. I think I was paid $50 a month or something in the beginning of coaching. And I had probably five small businesses that I was also running to be able to pay my bills. I had kids in private school. I had a house that I was paying a mortgage on. I don't know how I, it it was a leap of faith. I mean, I I also realized that I needed to manage my money better than it was managed during my marriage. So I hired a financial planner and I hired an accountant. And so those were really important things. I started to take myself more seriously. And eventually over time, I fired those two people and hired people who could take better care of me because I realized that I my business wasn't being protected. I was paying too much tax. My company became an S-corp over time. And 
and I had a payroll and I had things that I, I wasn't taking myself seriously in the beginning, but I think it took time to step into my value. Yeah. And so as I grew in, in confidence in self-esteem and self-worth, my prices went up. I felt justified to charge more and I run a multi-pronged business. So it's never just one thing. And I think that was another secret to success was first of all, for my own sanity, I can't just do one thing. It's not easy for me to do that. I, I get bored easily. So I'm always writing, um, wrote two books. I have two podcasts. I have a group coaching program and I have private coaching in a few different uh, iterations. And I found that having several offers and courses that I teach both live and DIY, that there were many ways that people could work with me. And my business started to really grow. I think when, when I had the offerings and I took myself more seriously and I was able to raise the cost of everything I was doing. Yeah. Well, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. Totally feel you as an entrepreneur having the multiple things, right? Writing the books, doing the podcasts, being other people's podcasts. Like we're always in this creative mode. And yet there's the flip side. If we don't get down to it and figure out our programs and pricing, like you were saying, it's really hard to make money in a business, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so it seems like you, it sounds like you really nailed your offers and you raised your prices and you're right. The world of coaching does keep expanding and gives back in such a beautiful way. And so it is, it is a business that's scalable. And that's one of the things that I see, I talk to entrepreneurs and they're in a business that's really tough to scale. And so, so figuring out how to do that, like you were just saying is so important. And how do I have that recurring revenue? So I know, you know, three months from now, I'm not going to be wondering where the next client's coming from. So on that note, I'm curious. Um, and then we'll, so many questions, but I'm always curious, um, Sandy. So what as you've grown your business, you have the books, but we all know that we know, how do I say this? Books aren't the biggest moneymaker in the world. Let's just say that, right? They're great for, for marketing, right? They're great for getting our name out there and establishing ourselves as a, an expert. Not to say that some people don't do very well in their books. I would say Harry, you know, Harry from England, <laughs> Prince Harry has probably done very well with his book. Uh, the rest of us, you know, it's an interesting journey. So there's books, there's podcasts, right? Um, and you know, so you've done a lot of things to market. What would you say, like when you, cause clients ask this all the time, people who listen to the show, like what are people's best marketing strategies? Like what's really worked well for you? I would say the podcast has been the best lead magnet for me. Okay. I started the podcast without having any idea who it was reaching. It was on internet, uh, blog talk radio. And um, it really felt like the, the sound quality was terrible. I would have guests who didn't show up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I didn't know what I was right? <laughs> No idea what I was doing. But I knew that I had to, I had to stay the course. And I kept learning. I, kept, I changed the name of the podcast. I changed what I was promoting through the podcast. Like, I heard you promote something through the intro in your podcast. Like, this is a way that people find us. And... And so one of the other things that I did that was really successful was starting a Facebook group for women over 40 who are looking for a relationship. My group is very different from most groups out there because most groups, and I've been part of many of them, 
are, are not monitored. They're not, they just basically are a place for people to just complain and be a victim. And my principles and values are really evident in my group. And I have seven monitors now who monitor the group. They not only monitor, but they post every day. Each one is responsible for another day of the week. And they post beautiful, thought-provoking posts and and so people come in and they stay and they engage. And that's sort of their intro into the work that I do. And then I go live in there and I, I post all my articles and podcasts and everything else. So it's, I found out early on with social media that unless you have a private way of reaching people, it, yeah. it's, it's just a shot in the dark. Right. It's just, it's just noise. Yes. Okay. So face, so Facebook, may I ask you a question about that? Yeah. You just said something. So like, I've never heard anyone say this before. So I'm super curious because you're right. Like we all, I remember when everyone got a Facebook group, it was like, it was like, we all got iPhones. Right. And then we're like, what did we do with it? So (laughs) you said you have seven monitors. Can, are you comfortable sharing like how you, like, are these clients or like people that are participating in the group and they're just really good posters? Are these people you hire? Like, how do you do this? So I had no idea what I was doing. It's <laughs> just yeah. like everything else. I'm right. just figuring it out. Yeah. You start. This group started to take over my life. I had, once it reached like a thousand members, I was in there posting a lot and I wasn't really feeling like it was helping me grow my business. It was just sort of a place I was managing. Right. And I, as a member of other groups, I started to see how other people manage their groups and there were monitors. And I said, okay, well, let me see who in the group would be a good monitor. So I looked for people who posted a lot, who were aligned with my values and I would reach out to them. And I I went through a bunch of different monitors. Some were great. Some didn't last very long. The group I have now is not paid. I give them gifts and we have a private monitor group. And so that was another thing that I started, which is a place for them to talk about not only the problems they're facing in the group and questions they have around how to manage certain things, but also their own private lives. And it's become a sisterhood. And we have group calls every every month where we used to really talk about the group. Now we call it the happy hour. And we just help each other through hard times and celebrate good times. So there, a couple of them have been clients. Most of them are not. They're just amazing, wonderful women who lovingly do this work. And I am so appreciative of them. Mm-hmm. So that's my my model for running it. Well, thank you for sharing that. I can t- I can feel people taking notes around the world right now because I think it's an area we all struggle with. And so, you know, being that intentional in facilitating conversations in groups, especially given the topics that your clients probably talk about is really powerful. So on that note, now that I've gotten up in all your business about the, you know, your business and, you know, how you've grown it and all the things. Let's switch gears because we're really here to talk about establishing boundaries at work. And of course, for anyone who's single out there, yes, we know you're like, well, Sandy, last first date, tell us about that. We're going to talk about that too. So, but first, and it's going to, it's going to play into that, how to establish boundaries at work. So a lot of our listeners all over the world, you know, own small businesses, micro businesses, probably a lot of them, especially given this time of you know, post pandemic, probably run the businesses from home where there's a lot of distractions, but they also might still go into an office. Um, They have teams, 
right? People, you know, all over. So how do we do it, Sandy? How do we establish boundaries at work so we can grow our businesses? Yeah, so boundaries, I mean, it's a big topic. I love boundaries. Boundaries save your life and they help you run your life smoothly. One of the things that I've learned over time, because I had I had terrible boundaries, so this is why I focus so much on boundaries, is you've got to be really clear about how you function best. And boundaries protect those things that you value most so that you're not always feeling like resentful of other people for stepping on your boundaries, for violating your boundaries. So if you work at home, have a private space if you can. I mean, I had conversations with my kids when I first started working and I was in the kitchen working and I was like, you cannot come through the kitchen when I'm on a, a coaching call. And that was hard to enforce, but I, I have a private space in my house now and my kids are out of the house, so it's not a problem, but the contract that you create and the contracts that I created improved with time as each person violated a boundary and I would say, oh, I need to add this to my contract. So one of the things I establish when I first start working with a client is how we're going to be with each other. I'm very clear about cancellation policies. I'm very clear that, um, that, I, that they forfeit a session if they have canceled without an emergency, without 24 hours notice, or they failed to show up. I'm clear about how long I'll wait for them on a Zoom call. You know, it's a short period of time. I'm not going to sit there and wait. And you need to send me a text or a, a well, I don't really text with clients. That's another say, boundary. <laughs> okay, right. No, in an emergency, I say they can text me, but otherwise it's send an email, let me know. If you're running late, that's fine. You know, if you woke up with a migraine, I'm sorry, and we'll reschedule. So those kinds of things are set up front. Even the way we interact in terms of, do we curse during our sessions together? Are you comfortable saying the word God? Um, do I have your permission to interrupt you when you're going on too long and you're not getting to the point? I ask for permission for many things and they and I establish our alliance together. That to me is a huge boundary. So preemptive boundaries are much more effective than post boundaries after something's been violated. Yeah. And then in terms of emails and answering emails, when do I respond? When, when can they expect an answer from me if they send me an email over the weekend? I'm okay with them sending me emails whenever they want. I am not okay answering them when they want. And so if they send me an urgent email on a Friday, they will hear from me on a Monday, unless it's like sure. life, you know, some kind of urgent thing where it's somebody's life is in danger, but that's not my business. So those kinds of boundaries really protect your integrity as a business owner I also am very clear that I only coach three days a week. And that's something I set up from the beginning. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are my coaching days. Here are the hours that I coach. Mondays and Fridays, I do podcast interviews. I write, I write my articles, my books, prepare for videos. And so I can chunk my time. And that's a self-boundary that really works well for me. Um, those are pretty much the, the main boundaries. And 
And I also tell my kids that if they call me during work hours, my phone will be on airplane mode. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost never urgent and people. Yeah. So I, and I also request that if I'm talking to somebody and we're having a coaching call that they turn their phone onto airplane or put it away. So it's, it's setting up those ways of we're going to focus on each other. This is our time together. And then if something isn't working, I will address it right away. Yeah. Somebody keeps missing coaching calls and forfeiting them. Is this not going to work for you? Do we need to break the contract? You know, so really clarity around all those things. Yeah, I love it. And so uh, do so all the things you mentioned, do you have that in writing in the contract as well? So is that something mm-hmm. I would initial if I were a client? Yes, I have. I have just about everything there in writing and and in terms of cancellation policies, in terms of how much uh, refund policies, not cancellation, but those are all written on my website as well. What the refund uh, policy is, it's mostly non-refundable. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do tell a client, look, if it's really not working and we have tried our best, you know, I'm not going to necessarily hold them accountable for the rest of the money, but I also get paid up front. That was another big deal. And I see a lot of people chasing money. I used to do that. Mm-hmm. Give somebody service and then try to get paid. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Yeah. But these are the things we've, for our listeners, like Sandy and I are like, no, we would never, do. we all did this in the beginning. And that's oh, how yeah. we learned, right? We learned because we were chasing the money and it was painful. So, so this is, it's, I was smiling a little bit because our contracts have just gotten longer over time because we do have, I found that it wasn't enough to have the points in a contract. I really needed people to take a moment and initial. And for those who are listening who have coaching or consulting businesses, I do believe like just making sure everybody's clear of the boundaries in the relationship is really important. And of course, I'm grateful to my mentors and the coaching programs I've been in when I'm signing something going, hey, can I model this? Because this is really good. And you know, as we all know, when, when the boundaries are in place, we all feel safe. And that's true from when we're five years old to when we're 105 years old. And when we're safe and we're clear, it's like, then everything can blossom from there. But when there's a lot of ambiguity, it's like, then there's ambiguity in the coaching relationship. And so for our coaches and, you know, consultants out there, that might be an area to check. And it's an easy fix. Like it's an easy fix to put these things in. What you're really good at, Sandy, and I can feel this and we can hear it. You're really good at verbalizing the boundaries as well. And sometimes we think, oh, it's enough that they signed it. No, like we now have someone on the team that goes through not only the contract, but, you know, they sign the contract, but then they go through it line by line to make sure everybody's on the same page. And I will tell you that has saved us countless, that has saved us time, energy, money. Um, and it's, and it actually makes the clients feel better. I know when someone sets up an agreement with me like that, I feel better. I'm like, Oh, this person means business. Like I'm going to get results. And so it's also, there's a lot of nonverbal pieces in that too. Yes. I love everything you just shared. And I definitely modeled my contracts after other people. I made all the mistakes, which is how my contracts kept improving. And the other thing I was just thinking about is in order to get on a call with me, the exploratory call to see if coaching is a good fit. I have a form people have to fill out and they have to add 
information about whether they can afford coaching, like everything is very transparent. And I want to make sure that they are a good fit before I even sign, sign, sign them up for a call. And I have seen people mess this up so much where they just get on a call with anybody and it's just a bunch of tire kickers. And, and again, I made these mistakes myself, but when you can pre-approve somebody before they even come to you, they're almost already ready to buy. They're like, you know, they're either really eager and they're a good fit and you can kind of feel it already or yeah. they're not, and you're not going to take time. So I've, I've been on calls where within 10 minutes, I know it's not a good fit and I'll just jump right to the point of like, I don't think you can afford this. And here's a program that you might want that would be a better fit. And I sign them up for that. That's great. And what a great reminder. Yeah. That, and to, to, to know that it's okay. Like not only is it okay, I think it's a celebration when you get to a no or a yes, right. Then you've really served someone or it's a, here's something else you could do right now, or here's who I'm going to refer you to. Like, like, I think we can be so afraid of that whole conversation. Uh, so getting to a no is just as, as successful. All right. We're going to switch gears again, because I want to make sure we have time for, um, for this last part. We have listeners all over the world. I would say we probably have more women, but I know hello to all the guys that hang out with us as well. We love having you. And for our single, for our single listeners who are out there, they're running businesses. They're successful. They're probably fi pretty financially successful as well. And yet maybe they're lonely. And I think you and I talked about this when I was on your show, like we're in a time in the world where people are lonelier than ever, right? We're, we're more isolated. There's more fear in the world. Like some days you get up and you're just like, just listen to the news and forget it. Like that's why we don't listen to the news by the way. Right. So it's a, it's an interesting time. So I can't even imagine dating in this time. So tell us like, bet, like what's going on in the world? How are your clients finding love? What do you want us to know? Because by the way, this ties into boundaries too. So all of that. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a busy business person, uh, it is really important to be intentional about finding love. And a lot of people say they want love. And I remember meeting a woman many years ago who found out what I did. We were at a book signing and she said, I forgot to get married. <laughs> you know, Wait, it's what? just like. I built my business and I forgot to get married. And so a lot of people just, they're so focused on business success because that's less vulnerable than relationships in the romantic relationships. And even though maybe they've repeated patterns that they've always attracted the same type of person or they had relationships, but they never went anywhere. So that they, I have many single clients who have never been married, who are in their fifties, who are now saying, I really want this. Like business success has been fantastic, but I'm missing this piece. So it, it's, it, you're right, right now, it is a hard time to be in this world without a partner. It's hard to date because we're we're feeling the loneliness of the pandemic and the aftermath of that. And online dating is a confusing place. I offer courses in this because of it. I think a lot of people just go, I don't even know how to begin. I don't know how to navigate this thing. And so the main thing for me is dating requires skills. It's not something that we're born with. It's love is our birthright. Dating is not. 
It's it's <laughs> <laughs> dating is is the way to get there, but it is a skill set and it requires you to take a deeper look within. If you are not making time for dating, what are you afraid of? And I have clients who just come to that first call and they start crying and they're like, I have been stuck in this pattern. I don't want to be here anymore. And so we, you know, get very clear. What are those fears and how can we tackle them? What are the patterns that you've created over time? Have you always attracted people who are really not emotionally available and then try to have a relationship with them, but they never can be a good partner. And so it requires some deep inner work. And once you do that and you start to really become that person that, that will attract somebody who's more securely attached, you stop looking at maybe the CEOs of companies who are not available, the, the people who really don't make dating a priority, just like you might not have up until this point in your life. And I think that's the problem. We have these ideas that somebody who's a good partner is going to be equally successful that person is going to provide for me, even though I can provide for myself. I mean, we have so many limiting beliefs around dating, just like every other part of our life. And so identifying those, busting through them, working through triggers, working through communication skills and boundaries setting. And, and how do you talk about your busyness? You know, a lot of men will say, this woman's too busy. I don't think she has time to time slot me into her life. And so they won't put the effort in. And these are the good guys. Like they're like, they're looking for partners and they're thinking, well, she doesn't really want partnership. She just wants a side piece or something, you know? So it's, it's a lot of these ways of working through that. And that's why I love the work I do, because once you really work through some of these limiting beliefs and overcome these patterns and learn to be attracted to people who are not your typical type, Mm. that the love comes. I mean, these relationships blossom. And in fact, I'm, I'm writing my next book. I, so I, I had just published my second book, Choice Points in Dating. And I was out with a friend for dinner and she said, what's your next book going to be about? I'm like, what are you kidding? I just finished this book. Oh yeah, but and they're she, always coming. They're always coming. They're, <laughs> they are. And as soon as she said it, I said, okay, I have a hard time celebrating my successes, but this next book is writing itself. And so I'm writing a book to celebrate the relationships that happened later in life, because there have been so many of them. And I want to give hope to the people who have lost hope. So I'm in the process of interviewing couples. Some of them I've worked with. Some of them are part of my group, my Facebook group, and other people I know through the podcast and and. I love talking to people about these really beautiful love stories and the way that they got there, because I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, that just happened to them. I could never be them. Mm. But there are steps these people took to be able to get to where they are today. And that's what I love. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So let's really quickly, I want to talk about, so you mentioned your most recent book. Tell us again about that and where people can find it. Yes. So choice points in dating, it's on Amazon and it is, it's a book of empowerment. Uh, it was written for women, but it's actually for anybody. All the things that I do are really unisex and it is a book about making healthier choices in dating. And again, it's where so many people say, I don't have a choice. Like I 
grew up with this crazy dysfunctional family. So of course I'm going to have dysfunctional relationships or people stay too long or they don't know how to create that must have and deal breaker list and really be clear about it. I also talk about boundaries in the book and communication skills. So this, this just really runs the gamut of all the ways that we can make healthier choices in finding partnership. And um, that book and my other book, Becoming a Woman of Value, both are available on Amazon for paperback and Kindle. And um, Becoming a Woman of Value is really like a how to show up, stand up and speak up. These are the steps, the pillars of core confidence that I speak about um, in the women's empowerment work that I do. Okay. Okay. So those two books, and we'll have that in the show notes. And I, I did have a question though, back to the dating piece to tie it full circle to boundaries at work. So for so for this busy woman who's out there or man, but this busy person who's out there wants to find love. Um, and there's other people out there that are saying, I'd love to date this person, but it seems like they're too busy. How do we set up boundaries at work so that we have room for relationships? Well, you have to prioritize relationships. I think that if you've already set up your boundaries at work, you, you probably are making time for other things like your activities and your sports and your friends. You have to be able to prioritize dating as well. And then when you're dating, you have to be able to convey that to the people you date. And so that's a communication skill. Instead of saying, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, which is what a lot of people say. Yeah. You say, yes, I live a full busy life. I love the work I do. And I prioritize the people in my life. Like I am prioritizing finding a relationship. Otherwise it's the message is just going to be, no, this is, this person is showing up and dating the way they show up in business. And so for women out there, we often to run a business, we have to be really organized. We have to be, um, planning and doing, doing, doing. In relationships, the being part has to come out. And it's hard for a lot of women who've been running businesses or really focused on business to let that feminine being nurturing part of ourselves come out in the dating world. Otherwise, it's like there's no polarity. There is no attraction because he's thinking, well, she's, she's a good colleague. She'd be a fun friend but I don't see any romantic potential because she's not really bringing that other part of her, which is important for attraction. Right. So bringing your full self and setting it up, being intentional. That's a word you and I both use a lot is to be intentional. <laughs> so be intentional with the dating piece as well as the business. That's awesome. Well, Sandy, we could talk for hours. So again, like we said before, it's too bad we can't get together and have coffee, but maybe, maybe you'll fly through the Minnesota for some, not in the winter, but maybe some other time and we'll have coffee. So on that note, I know you also have an amazing free gift for our listeners, which will also be in the show notes. So, um, tell us about, it's a workbook, right? For the ultimate guide to becoming a woman of value. So that pairs with the book. Yes. That pairs with the book and my women's empowerment work. And that is kind of a condensed version of the book and it's available for free. And it's, it's got exercises because I'm all about not just talking about things, but actually implementing them. And then I have another free gift that's available on my other website on the lastfirstdate.com website, which is a quiz if you're curious about your communication archetypes. So I go through four communication archetypes and how to identify who you are and then who you're talking to so that you can communicate more effectively. Okay. 
Got it. So that's um, communication archetypes. That's a free gift. We'll have that in the show notes as well. So get all the gifts, like just get all (laughs) Sandy's amazing gifts and Sandy to close out. So bringing it back. So full circle back to business. We're, you know, I still, it's, it's an interesting time in the world still, you know, and coming out of the pandemic, everyone, we know we need to pat ourselves on the back. If we not, if like we're still in business, right. Cause it was, it was a crazy time and a lot of businesses did well, but we had to get through the, the initial shock, right. Like just all the things. And so for our business owners all over the world, what's one piece of advice that you want to leave them with? Like one thing, um, if they're feeling like, you know, gosh, like what I'm struggling a little bit or things aren't going the way I want to, what would you say to them right now? I would say play the long game. That has really been my motto when I was ready to give up on the podcast because I thought nobody was listening, when the Facebook group just seemed to be a time suck, when the courses I was teaching weren't filling up enough. It's the long game because if you stay consistent and you keep showing up and doing the scary things and being brave enough to get out there in front of more people and letting people know what you do consistently and consistently is the key, then things will improve. And it's, you go through blips, you go through ups and downs, but it's, it's navigating those downs that helps you get back up again. Beautiful. Navigating the long game. Sandy Wiener, thanks for hanging out with us today. And we just wish you so much luck and blessings in this next year. Oh, thank you, Ursula. It's been fantastic. So fun. And to our listeners all over the world, we love you. We love that you hang out with us. Thank you for leaving beautiful reviews. If there's anything we can do for you, just email us at contact at ursulainc.co. That's it for this week. Make this your most epic month yet. Thank you for joining us today. And if you are ready to make your next quantum leap, let's do it. Ursula invites you to join us at the 2X Intensive. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.